Welcome to the first edition of Tailgating from the Couch, a college football podcast. I am your host, Garrett Wilson. Thank you for joining me this week. A lot to get to with some huge games with major college football playoff implications happening this weekend. We're going to talk about it all, including Clemson and Notre Dame, a top five showdown. Trevor Lawrence is out. We'll cover that later. We're also going to talk about the ACC in general and what it could mean for a potential college football playoff spot. We'll then move to the SEC. Georgia and Florida squaring off this weekend. A huge matchup in the SEC East. We're also going to talk about the SEC West. A lot of teams off in that division this weekend. What does that mean for them moving to the college football playoffs? We're then going to move to Big Ten country where COVID is running rampant right now. Wisconsin canceling another game. What does that mean for the Big Ten? What does that mean for the Ohio State Buckeyes and that conference's chances of getting a team in the CFP? We're then going to move to the Big 12 country. A lot of us in Big 12 country right now. Where is this conference going? Who is going to win it? Do they still have a shot to make the college football playoff? Going to talk about all that, preview some of the games this weekend, and talk about an emerging star for the Oklahoma Sooners. And finally, we're going to wrap it up with a brief look at the Pac-12 kicking off this week. Also going to take a look at a few group of five teams that might look to break that glass ceiling and be the first group of five team in to a college football playoff. All that coming up right now. Welcome back to Tailgating from the Couch. Kicking it off with maybe the biggest game of the college football season. Of course, we're talking number one ranked Clemson traveling to South Bend, Indiana to take on the number four ranked Notre Dame Fighting Irish. This was already a game a lot of people had circled to start the year. Of course, Clemson bringing back so much talent with Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne. You know, they've just been rolling the last five seasons. And then you look at Notre Dame. Notre Dame's got an experienced quarterback in Ian Book. They've been on the cusp of that next level of success. So this is a game a lot of people had circled once it was announced that Notre Dame would join the ACC for this season. And that intriguing game has just become even more intriguing because Clemson quarterback, Heisman favorite, Projected first overall pick, Trevor Lawrence, will be missing his second straight game after a positive test for the coronavirus. Now, in a lot of cases, especially in college football, you're putting in a backup quarterback, it could be an extreme drop in talent. Clemson might be one of the few places across the country where that's not happening. They're going to turn to the second straight game to freshman DJ Uyagalele. I'm only going to say that once. We'll now refer to him as DJ for the rest of the podcast. He started against Boston College, threw for about 340 yards, two touchdowns, added another on the ground, brought them back to beat Boston College, got that first win. And the thing about him is that's very interesting is he's the number one overall player when Clemson recruited him. 
five-star quarterback, also an incredible baseball player. And for those of you who have seen the Netflix series QB1, uh, I believe it was season two, they profiled Rayal Mitchell, who went to Iowa State, is now at Temple. DJ was actually his backup that year when DJ was a sophomore. So this is a kid who is used to the bright lights, used to fame, and Clemson's turning to that now. He's going to have to be a playmaker for them to beat Notre Dame. Obviously, they can lean on Travis Etienne, an incredible running back, probably another first-round pick off of this Clemson team. But it's going to come down to can DJ make the plays necessary when he has to. It's also a game that's two very different styles of football from an offensive standpoint. Clemson is going to spread the ball out. They're going to throw it a little bit more, whereas Notre Dame wants to run the football. They want Ian Book to be a game manager and make plays when he has to. They do not want Ian Book to have to win them football games. They are looking to put the ball on the ground and keep it there to give their defense a rest and, more importantly, keep that Clemson offense off of the field. Clemson, of course, beat Boston College last week. Notre Dame's biggest win this season, probably that win against Pitt two weeks ago. People were kind of putting Notre Dame on upset alert, and they came out and just boat raced the Pittsburgh Panthers, put that game away early. So that's their biggest win. So, again, right here is a huge game, not only in the ACC, but as cross college football in general. And in so many ways, this might be the best-case scenario for not only Clemson, but the ACC in general. There's a chance ACC could get two teams into the college football playoff simply because Trevor Lawrence is not playing in this game. When you look at it, say Notre Dame upsets Clemson on Saturday. The college football playoff committee is going to look at it and say, well, they beat them. But they didn't have Trevor Lawrence, so we can't really hold that against Clemson. There's precedent for that to have happened. So say these two teams meet up again in the ACC championship game, and Clemson, with Trevor Lawrence, comes back and wins. Well, then you're looking at a case, well, well Notre Dame's one loss is to Clemson if it's a close game. You know, there's potential there for Notre Dame because it's such a huge brand name across college football, arguably the biggest brand name across college football to get into the playoff as well as a one-loss Clemson team. The other thing that is going to be very interesting to look at in terms of the ACC championship will be what happens with Miami. Now, Clemson already took care of Miami. That game was projected to be close. It wasn't. Clemson showed they are a far better team than the Hurricanes. Notre Dame doesn't play Miami. Miami's sitting there with one loss. Their biggest game left is probably a matchup against North Carolina, who has struggled this year. Notre Dame has matchups against North Carolina and Boston College left Clemson, a matchup against Pitt. So there's a scenario where Notre Dame and Miami are both sitting there with one loss each to Clemson, where it's going to come down to tiebreakers to see who will play the Tigers again. There's a scenario where there's a three-way tie where... Miami, Clemson, and Notre Dame are all sitting there with one loss. And who who gets the title opportunity at that point? The ACC tiebreakers are pretty convoluted. So this is a big game this weekend in terms of the ACC, of, of obviously, 
but also in terms of the national landscape for what's going to shake out here in about two months when they get ready to play the college football playoff. So that's that's the biggest thing. Winner of this game is in the driver's seat for an ACC championship and also a berth in the college football playoff. But a Clemson loss doesn't hurt as much as a Notre Dame loss does. Notre Dame loses, their chances of getting back to the CFP are very low because they'll have to beat Clemson again. Now, if Clemson loses, they have the ultimate trump card in that, hey, we didn't have our starting quarterback, what do you want us to do? So that'll be the thing to look out for. How well does DJ Uyagalele play, and can he lead Clemson to victory? Coming up next on Tailgating from the Couch, we dive into the SEC, Florida and Georgia, getting it on this weekend. We're going to talk about that and more coming up after this. Back now on tailgating from the couch, diving into the SEC. Another top 10 matchup in college football this weekend with number 5, Georgia, taking on number 8, Florida. Another game that features two teams with very contrasting styles. You have Georgia, likes to run the football. They want to take the pressure off of Stetson Bennett and allow the run game to win them football games. You contrast that with Florida. Very different. They want to air it out. They want Kyle Trask to use his arm. They want him to hook up with that big tight end Kyle Pitts to lead them to victory. So this is a huge game in terms of the SEC East. The SEC West, more than likely going to be Alabama coming out of there. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. The thing to look for, though, is how good are Georgia and Florida really? You know, of course, they're ranked number five. They're ranked number eight in the country at the moment. They both have one loss. Georgia, of course, dropping a game to Alabama. And Florida dropping that game to Texas A&M. Georgia's best win right now is probably Arkansas or Tennessee. Both those teams are two and three. They play this weekend. Neither team's very strong. Then you flip it to Florida. Their best win's probably Ole Miss, who hung with Alabama but was beaten by Arkansas and is currently 2-4. and four. So you're looking at this going, how good are Florida and Georgia really? You know, in terms of that SEC East, is there going to be a huge drop-off in that SEC championship game? I think there will be. I think, as we saw with Georgia, they were competitive with Alabama for about three quarters, and then Alabama just kind of took it off from there, as they have the ability to do. Alabama is one of the best teams in the country. There's no doubt about that. They're not as good defensively as they have been, but offensively this might be the best Alabama team on the offensive side of the ball that they've ever had. Mac Jones is throwing the ball well. Najee Harris is maybe the best overall running back in the country. They have a great outfit of wide receivers. They're going to be tough to beat. So this is why this game will more than likely with Georgia and Florida decide who represents the East in the SEC championship game and has a chance to up in Bama. Which gets us talking about the SEC West, which the two teams there that have a shot right now are Alabama, who's undefeated, and then Texas A&M, which it could be very interesting to see how they finish the season. They play Auburn in the year. That's probably the toughest game left on their schedule. 
They have one loss right now. It is to Alabama. So there's a scenario out there where they run the table the rest of the regular season. They're sitting there at 9-1, and one, and they're like, hey, our only loss is to Alabama. So they're a potential playoff team as well. You know, they're currently a top-10 team in the rankings as well as a lot like a lot of other SEC teams are currently ranked number seven in the country. So you get some of these other teams to fall out, and A&M sitting there going, hey, what about us? There's also a scenario where Georgia or Florida, the winner of this game, runs the table and beats Alabama in that SEC championship game. In that scenario, you have three SEC teams sitting there with one loss. Only one's a conference champ. Who's going to go? So that will be a very interesting thing to look for, is how this game furthers the SEC East chances of sneaking into the playoff, as well as who has the best chance to beat Alabama. My standpoint, I think Florida has a better chance to beat Alabama because of how they are set up. Their offense is set up to go toe-to-toe with that Bama offense, throw it around, and try to just score points. Georgia, as we saw, they're more of a run team. They want to keep the ball on the ground. They want to keep it away from the other offense. Didn't work too well against the Crimson Tide. Speaking of the Crimson Tide, their season, of course, just a few games away from being over. They end the year with Auburn and Arkansas in back-to-back weeks. Again, not a huge daunting schedule. Arkansas has shown some flashes this year. Um, but Auburn has not been the team everyone expected them to be. A big win last week. But they're going to see if they can kind of keep that momentum going and see if Gus Malzahn can save his job. So that's the big game in the SEC this weekend. Is Georgia and Florida a top 10 matchup? We'll see who comes with the win there. Of course, I'll be making picks for all these games at the end of the podcast, so stay tuned for that. Up next, more college football for you. Big 10 football. What does it mean for the Buckeyes this year that Wisconsin is postponing yet another game because of the pandemic? We'll talk about that and more coming up. Moving to the Big Ten now on tailgating from the couch. The biggest matchup in Big Ten country this weekend is Indiana taking on Michigan. Most of us at the beginning of the year never thought we'd be saying 13th ranked Indiana taking on 23rd ranked Michigan. Of course, these are two teams that, again, Big Ten's only played two games, two very different starts to the season. Michigan, big win against Minnesota, a lot of momentum. People loving Harbaugh, and then they lost to Michigan State. A Michigan State team that had just lost to, lost to Rutgers, a team that people didn't think were very good, and Michigan lays an egg against them. On the flip side, you look at the Hoosiers, a huge upset against Penn State. Again, the play in overtime, the two-point conversion, was he in, was he out, was he short, was he down? In the record books, he was in, and it's a win for the Hoosiers. They follow that up with a win against Rutgers. They're now 2-0, up to 13th in the country, currently tied with Ohio State for first place in the Big Ten East at 2-0. The big news out of the Big Ten, other than this game, is, of course, Wisconsin. They come out, they blow the doors off of Illinois. 
They get a good performance from a new quarterback, Graham Mertz. Shout out to the Kansas kid. And then he tests positive for COVID. And they've had to postpone this game against Purdue this weekend for the second straight week, a postponement for the Badgers. You look at the Big Ten West. Northwestern and Purdue are currently 2-0. Wisconsin, of course, 1-0. But they haven't played another game. And right now, they're not sure when they're going to be able to play another game because of the outbreak they've experienced. So the biggest thing for me is, what does this mean for the Ohio State Buckeyes? They are the odds-on favorite to win the Big Ten. I think they are far and away the best team in the Big Ten. It's not close. Justin Fields is incredible. Another guy from the QB1 series, if you've watched it. He is a playmaker, and he has other playmakers. Chris Olave is a terrific receiver. They have a sophomore wide receiver at Ohio State. I can't quite think of his name. Something along the lines of Garrett Wilson. I keep thinking they're talking about me. Apparently, I don't play wide out for the Buckeyes. I had no idea. I've been trying to show up to practice. Been like, hey, put me in. Not been getting me the ball. You got to get me the ball if you want to win. But they have playmakers at Ohio State surrounding Justin Fields. And they're going to be really tough to beat for anyone within the Big Ten. I think without a solid competitor in which Wisconsin was probably looking like the second best team in that conference, not having many games under their belt, it's going to make us look at Ohio State differently. I think we all understand they are a dominant team, but if we don't see them get tested, I think it's going to make some people go, well, how good are they? It also opens the door for a possible slip-up game if they get upset by an Indiana or a Michigan or a Michigan State, does that hurt their chances of sliding into the playoff with one loss because the Big Ten honestly is weaker than everyone expected and the second best team in that league, Wisconsin, has only played one game right now and they as well haven't been tested because they haven't been on the field. Penn State comes out, they start 0-2, not what anyone on that campus expected. So, moving forward, the COVID troubles of the Big Ten, again, they started later, so they have a lot less time to make up these games. So, whereas the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 might have time to postpone and play games later, the Big Ten, and especially the Pac-12, which we'll get to, have a very much smaller window to make up any games, and Wisconsin's already two games in the hole. So that could be the biggest thing moving forward for the Buckeyes is they have to go undefeated, I think. Because with the weakness of the Big Ten and the lack of ten, a 10-game ten schedule for the Big Ten, they have very little room for error, I think. Because there are a couple of group of five teams that are going to potentially be undefeated. That's going to be another couple teams to throw in there and for the committee to look at. We will get to those later in the show as well. But for right now, it's going to be interesting to see how the Big Ten is able to get all of these games in with, like I said, Wisconsin already two games in the hole and time running out in this season. Coming up next, we dive into the Big 12, the messy Big 12. A couple of upsets last weekend, a big return for the Sooners. What does it mean moving forward? We'll talk about that after the break.
Big 12 time on tailgating from the couch. A messy Big 12 with a lot of teams still in contention for a spot in the Big 12 championship game. Of course, Kansas State and Oklahoma State went into last weekend undefeated in Big 12 play. Both of them losing. Kansas State getting dominated by West Virginia. And Oklahoma State dropping a really strange game to Texas. A game in which Oklahoma State really dominated outside of the turnover battle. A couple of unforced errors in the turnover battle and on special teams cost Oklahoma State that game. They're now in a log jam as far as the conference goes. Iowa State with one loss, Kansas State with one loss, Oklahoma State with one loss in conference play. OU with two losses, Texas with two losses, West Virginia with two losses. All of those teams, except for the Sooners, can win out and will be assured of a spot in the Big 12 championship game. OU would need Iowa State and Kansas State to lose and also win out. I, I see that happening. OU came out... Saturday night, they got Ramondre Stevenson back, an incredibly talented tailback, and they look like a different team against Texas Tech. Now, I know it's Texas Tech, not known for their defensive prowess, but that OU team looked as dominant as I've seen them all season. And the more the season goes on, the better Spencer Rattler's going to get. I don't like Spencer Rattler's personality. He comes across very arrogant to me. But the kid has the goods. He can spin the football. He can make plays. And he is dangerous if you're a defense. So the longer the season goes on, the less and less I want to be on OU's schedule. Because the more reps Rattler gets, the harder they're going to be to stop. Speaking of stopping hard offenses, the Oklahoma State defense, I know people are going to look at that score on paper and say they gave up 41 points. If you watch that game, you will see that the Oklahoma State defense isn't a good defense. It's an elite defense. Like I said, they may have given up 41 points, but let's break that down. The first touchdown they gave up, Texas started on the OSU 15 after a turnover. The second touchdown they gave up was one where Texas drove the field and hit a 40-yard bomb for a touchdown. Then after that, they gave up six points off of turnovers and two field goals, one in which Texas started first in goal and held them to three. They gave up another seven in the overtime. They gave up another seven late in the fourth quarter after a roughing the punter penalty extended the drive. This Oklahoma State defense is one of the best units in the Big 12, and they are going to be tough to score on. So much so... I think they will keep Oklahoma State in the driver's seat for a Big 12 championship berth. The scariest game on Oklahoma State's schedule is obviously that OU game facing a potent offense once again. But if Spencer Sanders, Chuba Hubbard, and Tylen Wallace can right the ship offensively, cut down on the turnovers, this is a dangerous Oklahoma State team. They get a pretty good bounce back with Kansas State this week. No disrespect to Kansas State. What Chris Kleiman's done this year is incredible. They have outperformed what most people thought they would do, but they are hitting a very tough part of their schedule, and they are doing it without Skylar Thompson, and that's going to make it very difficult, I think, for them to win games. They're going to face an Oklahoma State defense this Saturday that's going to put pressure on Will Howard. 
make it tough for Will Howard and tough for Deuce Vaughn. Having said that, I think this also has trap game implications for the Cowboys. They have a matchup with OU in two weeks coming off of a bye. They're obviously going to be very upset about this last loss to Texas. And they have K-State right here who's reeling from getting dismantled by West Virginia. So Oklahoma State has to go into Manhattan and they have to go in like a business trip and take care of business. If not, like we saw a few years ago, they're going to come out of there with a loss and the season will spiral outward from there. Oklahoma State has had a tendency to do that, letting one loss turn into two, turn into three, because they can't get it out of their head. So that's what we're going to look for in the Big 12. The biggest game this week is that Oklahoma State-Kansas State game. They're tied for first in the Big 12 right now with one loss. Technically, Kansas State has a half-game lead because they've played one more game. But moving forward, again, I, I really don't think anyone wants to play OU right now. Getting Ramondre Stevenson back I think is huge. and I think they'll show that this week even more. Again, they get to play Kansas, so a good warm-up game. They have some tough games left. They still got to play West Virginia. Texas still has West Virginia this weekend. They're going to be without Keontae Ingram. They still have Iowa State on the schedule, still have Kansas State on the schedule. A lot of football left in the Big 12 to see who's going to play at the end of the season for a Big 12 championship. Now, what does that all mean for the conference in terms of a college football playoff? The hopes are dim right now for the Big 12 to get in. I think their best shot still Oklahoma State. A 10-1 Oklahoma State team that beats Texas in the Big 12 championship game. I think has the best shot. Even then, I think they need some help. I think they need the Pac-12 to make sure they have some losses. I think they need Ohio State to get upset. They need the ACC to send only one team in Clemson. And then the SEC to probably beat up on each other to have that ability to get a team in. Because the conference came out looking weak. Kansas State lost to Arkansas State. KU did what they do, and they just lost to Coastal Carolina. Iowa State dropped a game to Louisiana to start the year. Oklahoma State didn't look good against Tulsa. They were without their starting quarterback. Tulsa's looked better since then, but it wasn't a good look for the conference overall. It, the conference looked weak, and I think that is a reputation that whoever wins the conference will take with them into any bowl selection or playoff-type selection if they want to have a chance to get in. Coming up next, we take a look at some of the group of five teams, a brief look at the Pac-12 kicking off this weekend, I give you my first five picks of the season. I know I started this a little bit late, but five games, five picks. I'll tell you who I think walks away with a victory after this. Back now for the final segment of tailgating from the couch. Looking briefly at the Pac-12, they kick off this weekend. Um, USC and Oregon are the two teams people are expecting to come out of this. Oregon, probably the front runner. Still not a lot known about these teams. They have a very tight window to get all their games in. I believe they're playing a seven-game schedule. So it'll be interesting. We'll learn a lot more, of course, in the next week or two about the Pac-12 Oregon, the favorite right now to come out of the Pac-12. How do they replace Justin Herbert? Of course, doing well in the NFL now. 
That'll be the big question. Some good teams there. Arizona State's got some talent. USC has some talent. So it'll be interesting to see what the Pac-12 has to offer. Moving now to the group of five teams. There are two group of five teams I think have a chance to break that glass ceiling and get into the college football playoff. First, we will start with Cincinnati. Cincinnati has been rolling through the season. They've been doing it with defense. They are extremely talented on that side of the ball. They have a quarterback who can make some plays in Ritter as well. So they are not a pushover by any means. But they are a team that has made some noise. They've climbed up the rankings. They have Houston this weekend. They have a game against Tulsa that will have to be rescheduled. Cincinnati, though, is already in the top ten. Currently ranked sixth in the country. They are 5-0, expected to win this week against Houston going into this game. So that's the first team from the group of five conference teams to look at. They got games against Tulsa, Cincinnati, Eastern Carolina. Still got a matchup with UCF still on the schedule as well. Now, the other group of five team, which I think is the extremely interesting one, and they actually kick off Friday night against Boise State on the Smurf turf in what will probably be their biggest test of the season. That's BYU. They're 7-0. They have three games left this season. They have to take on Boise State, Northern Alabama, and San Diego State, and then a potential matchup with Army as well that's still waiting to be postponed. So they're 7-0. Chance to go undefeated. They have a great quarterback. In Zach Wilson, a Heisman Trophy contender. He's thrown for 2,100 yards on the season, 19 touchdowns to only two picks, playing very well, but they have a big test tonight in Boise State. In Boise, on the blue turf, Boise coming off a big win last week. Can they upset BYU and ruin their chances of a potential college football playoff appearance for a group of five teams in some ways it would be almost poetic for Boise State to be a team that ruined that because for so many years they were the party crashers for the mid-major schools if we want to call them that in the BCS system wrapping up now with my five picks for the week Clemson at Notre Dame Clemson comes in as a five and a half point favorite give me the Clemson Tigers to win this one 31 to 24. I think DJ Uyagalele gets it done for Clemson and they keep rolling over the Fighting Irish. Georgia at Florida. Georgia, three and a half point favorite in this one. I actually like the Gators to come ahead in this one. 24 21. I think Kyle Trask to Kyle Pitts is too much for this Georgia defense to handle and they make enough plays to get the win. BYU at Boise tonight, a three-point favorite. BYU goes into the Boise on the Smurf turf. Give me the Broncos. That's a tough place to play, a tough place to get a win at. I think this is the trap game for BYU. I think Boise wins it 45-41. to Indiana at Michigan. Michigan, a three-and-a-half-point favorite, looking for a bounce back here against the Hoosiers. I think the Hoosiers keep rolling in a close one, 27-24. I think they keep the momentum rolling, and people start wondering how much time Jim Harbaugh has left. 
in Ann Arbor. And finally, Oklahoma State travels to Manhattan to take on Kansas State. The Cowboys, a 12.5-point favorite in this one. I think Oklahoma State bounces back in a big way. I think they exert their dominance on the defensive side of the ball. Sanders holds on to the ball and doesn't turn it over. And I think they win this one 35-7 and then move on to a bye week and a huge matchup with the Oklahoma Sooners. That's all we got this week on Tailgating from the Couch. I'll be back every week with more looks inside college football. You can interact with me at Twitter at GBlaineWilson. Or you can email me, gblainewilson at gmail.com. Anything you want to talk about or have me talk about, just let me know. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to doing more of these. We will talk to you next week. (laughs) 